I'm sharing with you this message this morning, overcoming the victim mentality. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will encourage all of us this morning to face a condition and put our trust in God. Because the Lord wants us to be people that trust His name and find the grace in His power, in His love, in His care, in grace. So if you open the Bible with me in the Gospel of John, we'll be reading from chapter 5 to verse 1 to 9, and you will have on the screen, but you can follow in your own Bibles. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us this morning as we approach your word, O oh Father. I pray that we will have an open mind, an open heart to hear what you have to say through your word, O oh Father. Help me to share things that are important to say. Stop me, O oh Father, when I will not say things that will bring glory to your name and identification to my brothers and sisters. So I thank you and I give you glory for this. In Jesus' name, amen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In this lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. May the Lord continue to bless this time as we meditate on the word of God. So let me say something. This was a special moment in the ministry of Jesus. He's approaching uh, the final journey of uh, his uh, life on earth. And he's showing to people that is the light of the world. He's showing to the people that is the man that God sent for the salvation of humankind. In this ministry uh, on this earth, Jesus met different kind of people. People that were having a higher status in the society of that time, like the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, or the priests. People that were very poor, marginated, put aside, alienated from society like the lepers. So Jesus was able to embrace all. He was there to deal with the misery of uh, our humanity. But also, he was there to bring hope in that misery. And one way to show his grace was visiting a place where people were sick. Where people were in desperate need of compassion, love, and care. 
And this is very encouraging to me this morning to know that Jesus is interested to stay with us when we are in need. And praise to be his name because he is not so snob to put aside those who are in need. He has empathy with us. He could sympathize with us. And I give glory to his name for the strength that he's able to give to us. And one place of grace and compassion was this pool close to one of the gates, 12 gates that Jerusalem had, the sheep gate. There was this pool, Bethesda, where it was said that the angel was coming to stir up the water and the people that will jump in the water first will be healed no matter what disease they had. It was a special place where God already showed compassion. And among those people, there were many people in desperate need. Today, we can see that all try to pursue happiness in life. Look around you. People are going to pay a lot of money for some joy and happiness in their lives. Yet, we are forced to deal with our frailty. We understand that no matter how much money you have in your bank account, your life can change in a glint of an eye. Sickness, a relationship that is broken, something that happened to your security, your safe environment, and you crash down because there is no foundation, not an anchor that can hold you. And this passage of the scripture, it shows how people were hurt. But you can see that there is the same thing. All our history, we can see the same traits. And uh, outwardly, Many looks strong, but yet inside sometimes we are wounded because we grew up maybe in an environment where the family was not the most functional. Other people maybe didn't have the chance to get educated as others had. Or maybe they had no the privilege to live in a free country as Canada where we can enjoy freedom. And we can see that we carry those wounds for many, many years. And until we deal with those wounds, we can still hurt. We can still deal with the pain that is inside. And let me say something, that we can be feeling victim of events, circumstances that we are forced to face. I want to clarify something. There is nothing to be ashamed or wrong with being a victim. The Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of victim is the following. It's a person who has been attacked, injured, robbed, or killed by someone else, or someone who has been harmed by an unpleasant event, such as a illness or accident. So if you are a victim, there is nothing that you need to be ashamed and we sympathize with those who are victims. We are sympathizing with those who receive unjustly things that harm their character and they penetrate their soul to the point to wound their soul. And we should be very compassionate with those people and offer support. There's nothing that implies in the definition that indicates weaknesses or evilness. There is nothing negative. It simply means that for a moment you were powerless to last circumstances or events to another person 
that it injured you and caused you to be a victim. How then we can define if there is nothing wrong with being a victim, the victim mentality. The Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, again, defines victim mentality in this way. The belief that one is always a victim. The idea that bad things will always happen to one. Wikipedia definition is also victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which a person tends to recognize themselves as a victim of the negative actions of others and to behave as if this were the case in the face of contrary evidence of such circumstances. In a very simple way, we may say it is a way of thinking that leads you to believe that once you were a victim, always a victim. And this is something that the devil used to keep you trapped in that pain, in the sorrow, in the wound. It's a stronghold that is building up in our soul, in our spirit, and will trap the hope of a change. So this morning I shared this message and I feel that there is a need to share it because I truly believe that through the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we can change our situation. We can be transformed by the power of God. We can be looking forward to a better future, better hope, because Jesus paid the price for a changing. You know, there is something that we can find in the Gospels that gives us hope, like this episode, this story that we read this morning in chapter 5 of the Gospel of John. Because we see that Jesus is still interested in our sufferings, in our wounds. And this can be physical, this can be emotional, this can be spiritual. Now, let me share a few points briefly. First one, traumatic events may define your identity. This paralytic man was sick for a long time, 38 years can imagine 38 years being paralytic. And believe me, at that time it was not like today. It was not easy for a, a sick man with paralysis to live a normal life or a decent life. He couldn't work. He was uh, depending on the compassion on other people that were giving uh, alms to him. And he was blessed at least if he had some friends that were able to help him. His life was a, every day a reminder of his sickness. Now, this disease has gripped this man for most of his life. It is evident in this text that Jesus knew the relationship between long-term sickness and identity. He pointed directly to him. There were a great multitude of sick people. But Jesus went to talk directly to him. And I was wondering why. Because Jesus was uh, able to discern the heart of these people. And uh, he discerned the heart specifically of this man that was so wounded. He was trapped in that sickness. He changed 
his own personality to adapt to the sickness that he had. As someone who has a disease for a, a long time can end up wrapping their identity around their disease. In other terms, what comes against us can end up becoming a part of our identity if we are not discerning correctly what we are facing. Yesterday, with Pastor Allen and Pastor Ryan and a few other people, we attended another funeral. We had a memorial service in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we attended the funeral of Emmanuel Wong. Emmanuel was a little boy of eight years old with Down syndrome. It was difficult. The father and mother were a pastoral family serving the Lord, facing a lot of challenges because Emmanuel had other complications in his life until the Lord called him home. And I can imagine how devastated this could have been in the life of his parents. The love that they showed to this boy was amazing through his life. And now the Lord called him home. How can you discern the will of God in a moment like this? Let me tell you something. Yesterday I was so blessed. We were talking with my wife coming home. The way that his family, uh, Pastor Joel Wang and Grace and the two sisters of Emmanuel, ministered to us. It was amazing. They were able to discern that through the sickness, through the death of their son, God was glorified and they decided not to be trapped in that event. They discerned and they say, we will not let this death determine who we are as we serve the Lord. And they minister to us with energy, with power, with love, with compassion. They were able to impact the people that were present. What I'm trying to say is this. You see, traumatic events may lead to this kind of victimhood. The victim mentality. We end up blaming God, blaming others, limiting our action. We stuffed inside emotions. We stuffed inside feelings. And we are not dealing with them in a correct way. In a godly way that will help us to eventually overcome. And you see, Jesus confronts the victim mindset right from the heart. He asks a simple question. Do you want to be made well? How can you ask a person that is sick for 38 years if he would like to be healed? Everybody would love to be healed, right? But you see, Jesus is cutting the heart of the person. We may say that he was a political incorrect. Today we will say he doesn't ask for the man's story. He doesn't ask how this happened to you. You were born like that. No, he goes directly to the point. Again, because Jesus knows the heart. His question hits to the core of the man's heart and hurt and motivation. And you will expect that his man will say, of course, Jesus, heal me. I'm here. But this man starts to reveal his mindset. Is victim mentality. And look what he says. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. 
Do you recognize the, the traits of the victim mentality? I have no other one. I'm alone. No one takes care of me. You see that paralytic man had deeper scars inside his being. Which developed in him a deep sense of unworthiness. Of a, a continuous feeling another weight. There was no possibility for him to overcome that condition. I will never see something good in my life. This was the answer if we can translate the words that he pronounced. I will never see something good in my own life. Jesus, and you ask me if I want to see myself out of this bed, of this condition. It seems that this man was imprisoned by the conviction that no one could really care for him or help him in this tragic situation. And he had before himself the Son of God, Jesus, the one that came to heal. And I like what Sister Francesca read this morning, that people were used to bring a multitude of sick people from every kind. And every time somebody was brought to Jesus, he healed them. Unless it was unbelief, like in the city of Nazareth. You see, this man had a continual battle to face in the hope that something extraordinary will happen in a sacred place where the angel was coming to stir up the, heart, the, the water, and then the conviction that that extraordinary will never touch his life. It's like one person is walking in the desert for a while and is desperate to find some kind of water to be relieved by the hot and warm temperature. And from far, he starts to see a mirage. Sometimes you can see it during the summer, hot days, when the asphalt becomes a lake of water. When you walk and you see a mirage, you see water coming and you are running, but more you run towards what your eyes are seeing, the water disappears. There is nothing. He gives you hope, and then the hope is disluded. And this is what the condition that this man had. He trapped himself because he allowed the traumatic events to define his own identity. Let's see what Jesus tried to do in this. He's saying something. Don't let your past determine your future. This what was the plan of Jesus towards that paralytic. Don't let your past experience, no matter what, how traumatic they are, to determine the future that I have for you. And Jesus is talking to us this morning. Don't let the traumatic experience that you had in the past determine who God wants you to be in the future. Praise the Lord for that hope that we have. You see, some people, because are often difficult experiences in life, have got themselves stuck in a victim mentality. They start to think that they are not good enough, that everyone is against them. They focus on everything in their life that has gone badly and never sees the hope that God is willing to give to them because a Jesus is coming on the way. 38 years, this man has been there for a long time without not seeing a miracle happen in his life. 
You see, a victim mentality is when you blame everyone else for what happened in your world. A victim mentality is when a person thinks that the future only holds bad things for them. But Jesus visited the place. Visited the place of sufferings. Your traumatic experience they don't need to label you for life. This is what Jesus is saying to this person. You have been suffering enough. Now there is hope. I came to give you hope. You see, never forget that there are two kingdoms. We maybe don't see that. But we have the kingdoms of God and His light. And the kingdoms of darkness. While the kingdom of Jesus is giving us abundant life. And salvation and blessing to us. The kingdom of Satan has a strategy. And we know very well in John 10.10. The Bible says that Satan comes to do what? To destroy us. To steal from us. To the point to kill our hope and trust in God. And you see Satan works to build a castle or a stronghold called rejection. Called rejection in our mind and our hearts. And he builds that stronghold. And he makes sure that you are, knowing, you are not going out. But there is no stronghold that can resist to the power of Jesus Christ. And let me say something. The stronghold is such unless and until you go out of that place. Satan is the father of lies. Is lying to you. But you know Jesus came to destroy those strongholds. He opened the door so you may have access to freedom. And praise God for this. In a certain way how Satan builds those strongholds. Let me explain. He's able to mix truth with lies. That's the strategy that he has since the beginning when he faced Adam and Eve. He convinced them with some truths, but he had a lot of lies. This is what he says to you. You have been harmed, you have been hurt, you are suffering, and you are in pain. Life has been hard on you. End of the story. There is no hope. That's the stronghold that he builds around your heart and your mind. But then, we have a different picture that comes in. And it's the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. You see, I was saying at the beginning that being a victim of something unjustly is not to be reproached. We have to be sympathized and empathetic with those who are suffering and trying to help them in any way. The psalmist in Psalm 10 describes the person unjustly was becoming or became a victim. Look what the psalmist say, expressing the pain that he had. In Psalm 10, verse 10 and 11, it says, The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. He will never see it. Do you understand when you are unjustly hurt, when you receive something that you don't deserve, you... Enter in that phase of discouragement or hurt that will stop your trust in God. And Satan builds up on that. Then you, can, you have to make a decision. You can overcome 
that situation or stay trapped in that? The same psalmist decided to trust in God. If we read, I encourage you to read the psalmist, beautiful. For time reason, we cut the reading. But look in verse 12, what it says. At one point, he calls the name of God. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. In verse 12. Then he goes in verse 17. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. It's not comforting to you and to me this morning to hear that God hears the heart and the cry of those who are afflicted. And he has not forgotten us. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline you hear. And I love in the Bible reading that God is willing to incline his ear to us. It seems that when we don't have the strength to call upon him, he is lowering himself to us. He's inclined his ear to us to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is off the earth may strike terror no more. This is the God that we serve. There is freedom. There is opportunity for us to trust in God. You see, our past abuse does not have the power to define the curse of our life unless we allow it. And when a person experiences a trauma, can respond in a variety of different ways. Some healthy and others are not so healthy. Either we can find a way for, to heal or we can find a way to stay trapped in the wounds. We can find a way to healing as we validate and acknowledge the trauma we experience. And we say we experience it. But we don't stay there. We move on. We trust God. Or we can live in a position of self-pity and lack of hope. How we respond to a trauma can impact our future, my brothers and sisters. How we respond to a sickness that was not ready to, or we were not ready to receive. Or a divorce in the family. Or a relationship that is broken between husband and wife. Or father and son. Mother and daughter. Whatever we can have in that. A loss of interest in, your, in life in general. Or your work. Whatever you are building up through the years. In your company maybe. Or in your environment where you are. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You see... The man that was in the pool of Bethesda had the chance to address his story and replace it with the Jesus story. The healing. But he was focusing on the past. It's the same for us today. My brothers and sisters, we have to make a decision. Where we want to focus. Want to focus on the trap of the past? The trauma that hurt us very much. Oh, we say, Lord, I trust you. You came on my way. Father, I was not ready to come to you. I wasn't able to walk to you. But you came and met my needs. I want to trust you, Lord. This is what happened. This is what happened. You see, you can overcome the victim mentality. This is my third point. You can overcome the victim mentality. You can reverse the polarity. I love this image. I was trying to think, how can I illustrate that? 
You see, I thought about a magnet. I love magnets. <laughs> Maybe because the, since I was a little boy, I was looking for a magnet to build some kind of tools and toys. And you know, in a magnet, you have a two different poles. You have the positive and the negative, right? One has the power to attract. The other one has the power to repel. I'm correct? So just like a real magnet, there are positive and negative poles. Again, one which attracts and the other one that repels. If we allow those feelings or that mindset, a victim mentality, you can attract evil in you or you can repel evil from you. You understand what I'm trying to say? If you focus on the things, I'm not worthy, I'm not good, I'm bad. I'm not talking here about positive uh, thinking. I'm talking about reality. If you focus more on the negative things that can happen to you, those things will come to you because you pave the way to the enemy to inflict you wounds and pain on earth. This is not so abnormal in the Bible. It's very normal. A man like Job, remember the old Job? In Job chapter 3, verse 25, we read, For the thing I greatly feared as came upon me. Remember that Job was so pious to offer sacrifice to protect his own children. And he was fearful that something bad could happen to him. In reality, something bad happened to him. To the point that we know the story, they died. So Job is saying, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. So remember the magnet. You can attract or you can repel. So today you have to decide which part of the magnet you want to be. You want to repel or you want to attract evil. You want to attract good or you want to repel good. Jesus is in your way. You see, Jesus, he wasn't dealing with other people. He went to talk to this man specifically. And Jesus is speaking to us this morning. This message came because I believe that the Lord knows our hearts and knows how to deal with us individually. We can repel or we can attract his blessing and his presence. We can attract evil or we can repel evil and say, I don't care what happened to me in the past. I'm standing because Jesus came on my way and I want to change my life. I know that he has a better future for me and I want to stand on the promise. It's up to you and me make the decision. Jesus went to talk to him and ask him to take action directly. Don't depend on others. You have the possibility to change the destiny of your life, you need to obey my commands. Don't depend on others. Because others cannot take the decision that you need to take. You see, other people could have bring that man inside the water and that man could have been healed, but never could have been healed inside. He could have been healed physically, but not emotionally, spiritually. That's why Jesus, when he, he spoke to him, he looked at the whole picture. And I'm so glad to tell you that Jesus comes to heal us physically, mentally, spiritually.
It comes to restore a life in different aspects. Jesus asked this man, rise, take up your bed and walk. What an amazing statement. Can you imagine that man was not even able to move? How can he rise? How can he take the bed? But you know when faith triggers inside your heart, oh, what a stamina you receive. What adrenaline comes to you. You can do things that are above what you can imagine, even thinking. Because faith has triggered action in your life and the power of Jesus has caused healing. Praise God for this. Praise God for His grace. You see, with uh, such a burden that he had, he was missing the point that Jesus was there, the Son of God. And many times we are missing that the Son of God is visiting us, is in us. My brothers and sisters, we need to honestly take a look at ourselves and say, God, I'm dwelling in the traumatic events that happened to my life. Maybe some of us had experienced those awful, awful moments where life became so difficult. You received from your parents, maybe, teachers, co-workers. Why not? Church people. And you know what I mean, I mean with that? All of the hidden child memories that we bear in our hearts. And we forget to have dealt or to deal with. You know, those memories are still painful. We need to trust God. Because what really required from us is the transforming faith. Is trusting in His grace and compassion and empathy. The story of this man was not finished yet. He is able to walk. He's able to now take ownership of his full life. And you think, Jesus forgot about him. No. I encourage you to read all the passage. It happened that he met him on the, on the uh, temple. And, uh, you know, there was an exchange of uh, sentences between him and the Sadducees and the, the scribes. Because most probably he was walking on the Saturday. Uh, and he was not allowed according to the, the law. And this man is saying, I don't know who healed me. This, I don't know him. But Jesus again revealed to him. And he said, you know what? Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing can happen upon or can come upon you. Let me add something. I truly believe that the sin that this man was risking to to follow in was the mindset of the victim mentality. You know why? Because when we carry the victim mentality, we also carry unbelief. Unbelief in thinking that things can change. Unbelief in thinking that God can change, He has a power to change our situation. This man is healed now. Jesus saying to him, I don't want you to do, go back in that mindset. Now take ownership of your life. Be blessed. Live in a new identity. You have been set free. And my brothers and sisters, we are set free in Jesus' name. We have a new identity. I love when we think there is a new name written in glory. 
Who is mine? Who is mine? It's a new name, a new identity. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So let me wrap up this message with uh, some final application. Her emotional brokenness requires God's grace. There is nothing that can change the course of your story if you not receive God's grace. And the good news is that Jesus is coming on our way. We don't need to walk towards Him. It's coming in our way. It's searching. It's knocking to the heart of each one of us. Then, my brothers and sisters, refuse to dwell in the victim mentality. Come out of the stronghold that Satan has built around your heart. Come out. Satan wants to impose a victim mentality on us because he knows that if this happens, we will never live the abundant life that we can have in Jesus. And again, I go back to Pastor Joel Wong and his wife Grace yesterday. What a lesson I got from this family. We are determined not to live in the tragedy. We have hope. One day we will see Emmanuel again. This was the message that he gave us. You see, the victim mentality is like cancer to our mental and spiritual health. Remove it. Don't dwell in that. Because God has given us something powerful. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind. Praise God for this. And then, let's understand that in Jesus we can live as a victor and not as a victim. Amen? So let live our lives with the expectation that something good can happen to us. Not forgetting the past, but learning from the past. Learning from the past. I close with these words of Paul to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. Remember where he wrote that? He was in prison, right? Paul, I love this man, says, for I know that this is will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And according to my earnest, look Paul, I love the the words that he used, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Is not taking the blame, is thinking to magnify Jesus Christ in his own body, whatever by life or death. It's not amazing. Whatever it is by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Praise the name of the Lord. When you have not being trapped by the victim mentality, you can say this. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can we all stand in God's presence?